You're listening to a Wheels on the Ground production. Hi, and welcome to the 10th and final episode of the first season of Crypt Times. Today, we will be listening to Ryan O'Connell. Ryan is a writer, actor, and activist, as well as the creator and star of the Netflix series, Special. Kick back and laugh with your hosts, Kayla and Christina, as well as our guest host for the episode, the creator of the Wheels on the Ground podcast network and host of the Disability After Dark podcast series, Andrew Gerza. Hey everyone, welcome back to Crypt Times. It is Sunday afternoon. It is a January pandemic Sunday, so we are doing what we can. This is Kayla. I'm here with Christina and the one and only Ryan O'Connell. Hi, Ryan. Hi. Every day feels like Sunday in a pandemic, don't you think? Yeah, did you see that tweet that was like, we all feel like shit because it's like every day is the Sunday scaries, but like for for the rest of an indeterminate amount of time. I haven't seen it, but I feel it and I relate to it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, yeah, that's real. Um, so for listeners, transcript readers who don't know you, could you introduce yourself? Uh... Yeah, uh, I'm Ryan O'Connell. Um I have cerebral palsy. Uh, I made a show called Special on Netflix, which I wrote, created, and starred in. And uh, yeah, season two's coming out sort of soon, and blah, 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 blah. (laughs) (laughs) That is quite... Is that good? I don't know how to introduce myself. I'm bad at this, babe. (laughs) I'm sorry. It's all good. Um... You said what you need to say. Also, want to mention we are joined by Andrew Gerza today, um, in part. Hello. Hi, Andrew. Hi. Um, so this is the cerebral palsy episode. Um, myself and Ryan and Andrew um, all have cerebral palsy, so it is a CP party on this day. Yeah, it is. <laughs> yes, it is. The most gentle of parties. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I feel honored to have been uh, included as an honorary CP party member. Come on in, baby. Party. The water's warm. I love it. Thank you. <laughs> if it wasn't, my joints might like dislocate. So uh, yeah. I would probably stop breathing because cold is real. Cold water and CP is a dangerous game. I guess warm water is ableist. <laughs> Are you mean cold water is ableist? Cold water yeah. coming into water. <laughs> it's all hey. fucked up and we don't talk about it, but we're talking about it today. We're talking about it today. You live in LA. What is your experience with like hot tubs going into hot tubs and like really hot water? And CP is also it's too much. Wait, too I much love them. I'm actually I'm actually getting a hot tub installed. I'm addicted to hot tubs. No, they actually I'm so jealous. Wait, what? They, I'm they, so jealous. They Fuck soothe. Right they soothe my muscles. They like like make my mu- achy muscles feel better. Yeah, me too. Is that is that me three? Okay, yeah. So that's the thing. Yeah. Um, Wait, so you're getting your own hot tub that you can just like use whatever the fuck you want. Yeah, because I got a house, and so a house needs a hot tub. Do you know what I mean? I like I 
I'm so loving that for you. And maybe one day, <laughs> maybe one day when I have my own Netflix show, I'll get my own hot tub. But oh, yeah. I'm loving that for you, but I'm also high key hating you right now because Kayla, Christina, and I are in the throes of Canadian winter right now, which means yes. that it's fucking cold. And I want a hot tub in my house. It's okay. LA is on fire four months out of the year, and the air quality is so bad that you shouldn't go outside. So I'm sure there's some trade offs. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah, okay. <laughs> yeah, I felt really guilty enjoying that it's been so warm. Warm being like zero degrees Celsius here because I'm like, good for me, bad for the earth, but like. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It was plus four yesterday here, and I was like, this is weird, yeah. but I'll take it. Yeah. Yeah, we'll have to pay for it. That's going on the credit card of experiences. Do you know what I mean? We're charging it now, but we'll pay it off later. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, the credit card of experiences is a new one. So, Ryan, this is a ridiculous question, but how are you? It's been almost one year of doing this pandemic, isolation, yeah. quarantine, um, is anything making it suck less? What makes it suck the most? Oh my God. I mean, yeah, it's like Herbie fully loaded. I mean, I've been having a really hard time, I think in the last month because I felt like my brain was like, okay, like if Biden gets elected and there's a vaccine, like things will get better. And then, so it's like Biden got elected, but he is not president yet. And obviously I feel like, I don't want to be like scary Jerry, but I just feel like there's some shit brewing. It doesn't feel safe, et cetera, et cetera. So you're like, okay, this is obviously not a light switch that goes off and on, like whatever. And then the vaccines are here, but they're kind of not here and they're hard to get and blah, blah, blah. And so it's like, I'm being like emotionally blue balled where like there are things on the horizon that I'm like excited about. And it feels like it could be a dawning of a new era, but it feels very like so close yet so far away. And I don't know about you guys, but like, I don't really know how like CP and Rona get along. I'm, I'm guessing they don't get along. They, they, I'm guess- really, they don't. Yeah, I'm guessing they don't get along. They're not BFFs. No. They're not like, you know, whatever. So the anxiety of like getting coronavirus and not knowing how it will interact with my cerebral palsy is like just a new fun added layer of torture. Um, and then LA County is like the epicenter of like infectious <laughs> virus caseloads. Like they're they're estimating that one in three people in LA have had coronavirus so anyway tldr it's been weird (laughs) yeah yeah Mm -hmm. is there anything that you're like this helps right now or are you just like one terrible minute at a time working i'm a productive bitch from virgo hell so like i've been like i think like here's the thing like the world is literally like a garbage can so i feel like the way that i deal with it is i create my own world that i get lost in through my work like i'm just like wow this reality is literal hell let's create a more utopian world that's like fun to spend five hours a day in so like i have just been the most productive i've ever been work-wise and so that's been really amazing and i've been really grateful to like be able to work throughout the pandemic and make an income and all that stuff so that has been like the silver linings playbook but um yeah it's like you know every day is a winding road by cheryl you know cheryl said it best you know throwback yeah maybe it's a gay thing when i was growing up like show crow's my jam um Strong Enough was my favorite song when I was, like, 10. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. It's kind of iconic, for sure. So, uh, yeah. Anyway, so we'll see. I mean, I think, you know, the the vaccines are going to be here sort of. I don't know what's going on with Canada. I'm sure you guys have a gorgeous situation going on there. Um, No? 
if by gorgeous you mean great? No. Yeah. No. Uh, the vaccines. What have, what have you guys heard? I heard today the rollout won't start till like summer, maybe September, maybe December if we're lucky. What? Yeah. I don't mm-hmm. wait. Why? I don't understand. You guys have your your shit together. I don't get it. No, Trudeau's no. pretty, but he's not. No. So Doug <laughs> Doug Ford is the premier of Ontario, and they were like, okay, okay, lockdown number two. Definitely stay home, but like, choose your own adventure if you stay home. Like, we're not really sure. Um, but like, you can go out, but you can only have five people if you're out, and if you're outside, you shouldn't be outside. But are you. Can go outside if you need to, but don't go outside if you don't have to. But wait, what are the like, what are the case numbers? Because LA, just for reference, LA County has fifteen thousand cases a day, which is say it with me, a lot. <laughs> uh, you would probably feel like there was no pandemic then if you looked at Ontario's numbers. We had what was today, three, just over three thousand in Ontario. But I mean, we had three hundred last August, so three thousand is like a huge jump. Wow. Three thousand, I would be like raw dogging the air. I'd be like literally, like at a brunch with forty people, like literally, like Caligula style. Like I, like that sounds like heaven. Mm-hmm. 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 Um, speaking of utopia and creating new worlds, I don't know how to segue. I have not. not I literally, Kayla, I was. In my head, trying to find a segue, and that was literally the only one that I can get. So, like, great okay. minds think alike, and uh... I love I love listening to you try to segue. Though it is it is officially my favorite thing right now. So keep going. Thank you, Christina. Do you want to take this one? Yeah, sure. So, uh, speaking of creating our own utopias um, through our work, and you mentioned that you are the producer, actor, writer of your Netflix show special. Um, we created this podcast essentially to like talk about folks who are working in like arts, academia, and activism, uh, and are living in like the disability mad crit sector. Um, oftentimes like Hollywood and film and television are kind of seen as separate from like the quote unquote arts. So like, how do you see your work, um, specifically like impacting, the broader art sector kind of outside of the confines of Hollywood and film and television? Well, I think the power of representation cannot be underestimated. Like, growing up, I never saw anyone that looked like me ever, and that kind of implicitly told me that I did not matter. So I was like, okay, message received. Off to therapy I go. (laughs) So I think what's great about being on a place like Netflix is that uh, the platform is truly so huge do you know what i mean it's not like i mean now i'm like dragging other places but it's not like you know what i mean but it's like like the the reach of being on a netflix show versus like a freeform show or whatever like it's just like apples and oranges so um i feel like when it comes to like niche content like usually we're used to like airing as a web series that like five people have access to via DNA sample. And then it's like literally like, like IndieWire writes about it and then it gets called a day. Um, and so being able to kind of be at like the top 40 of, of platforms, you know, having my show be an Ariana Grande pop song and be able to reach the masses, I think, uh, is extremely valuable because if I had seen a show like this, um, if I had known, this kind of life was possible for me, it would have, you know, saved me a lot of years at the I hate myself fair. Mm. Um, so I don't know. I just, I just think that that's the 
power of TV and film is uh, being able to introduce people to stories and lives that they wouldn't necessarily be exposed to and creating empathy for them. And then for the people that you're exploring, it's giving them this message that, you know, that they matter and that they're important mm -hmm. and that their story deserves to be told. Mm -hmm. And representation beyond like inspiration porn, right? We talked earlier how you're like, my character is allowed to mess up and like be an asshole sometimes and not be this like perfect thing handled with kid gloves, um, which yes, like about, yeah. about time for that. Um, well, yeah, that's because, and I also think it's because like an actual disabled person is creating it. And like, I've talked about this before, but it's like Hollywood is addicted to like, you know, profiting off the pain of marginalized people of like being able to like get that oscar honey like get that award season baby like we're so brave oh my god look what we did we're so good and then you like actually like look at the liner notes and you're like wow like literally no one involved in the creating the creation of this thing actually is part of the community that you're portraying like great job dot 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 mm -hmm. um so i think i think we've moved past like oh, it's just enough that you make a movie about it or there's a TV show about it. It's like, no, 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 honey, you need to employ the people from the community that you're portraying. Like, you yeah. need to advance them, give them power, money, and jobs. Mm -hmm. Yeah, what's your experience been like in the industry in terms of, like, hiring other marginalized folks, like having other disabled people on sets, things like that? Has, has there been pushback or...? No, but it's but it's it's complicated. I mean, first of all, like... I feel, I, I'm always racked with this guilt and this feeling of like, I could do more, I could do more, I could do more. Because Special is a very scrappy show with not a lot of money, and we don't have a lot of resources. And so, for example, uh, we shoot on location. We don't really build sets. Like, we, I think we had one set for season two, meaning that we're basically shooting in real houses. We're shooting in real apartments, which are, of course, spoiler, not handicap accessible. So that already limits, you know, who we can have for crew. And I wish I had, I wish I had Ryan Murphy money and Tyler Perry money where I could just build an accessible compound where people could go and film and do whatever, whatever. But I'm not there yet. Hashtag goals. Yeah. Um, but I mean, you have Ryan in your name, so maybe I one do, day you I know. have an empire like Ryan Murphy does. I, It'll be like the O'Connell files or something. I don't know. I've heard that's all it takes, sharing a name, for sure. <laughs> um, no, but it's, uh, you know, we'll see We'll see what happens. But, um, you know, we're, sets are not designed with handicapped people or disabled people in mind. Uh, because they're like, it's like when Ali Stroker like won the uh, Tony and she couldn't even get on the fucking, she had to go the, another way. It's like, they never, like Tony's never imagined a disabled person winning a Tony. Yeah. And again, it's, I, I really don't think it's a, this malice of wanting to keep disabled people out. I just think that we've been pushed to the fringes of society, entrenched in systemic poverty, all these things working against us that we they've never imagined that we would be a part of things. Well, guess what, bitch? We are. So it's it's overwhelming because it's such a systemic problem that it like can't be solved in a single season of television and it requires a lot of money and resources and people getting on board. Like I can't move mountains necessarily, which is ableist anyway, am I right, ladies? <laughs> Let's get to the bottom of that. Okay. <laughs> um so anyway, like yeah. This is a long-winded way of saying, like, 
I, I, for season two, I was able to do some things that I was proud of, but I, I was also left with feeling like, okay, there's so much work to be done. Like, it's like, and it's overwhelming. It is, I'm being like very frank. Like, like it's very overwhelming because I want to do all the things. Yeah. And mm -hmm. I have to, you know what I mean? And there's just, it's such a deep-rooted issue in our culture and our society, and it goes way beyond just like making sure there's a ramp on a set or whatever. Do you know what I mean? Definitely. Yeah. Um, but when we talked earlier, you were really excited and all of us are really excited about your push for an inclusion of disability and sexuality on your show. Mm. And mm -hmm. I think it's so powerful. That's such a like cliche word, but it really is like it's not I had never seen that before. Like you said, like growing up, never. So I screamed. Yeah, when I saw that in season one. Um, and maybe you could break down that scene a little bit um, when your character, also named Ryan, um, meets with a sex worker for the first time. Yeah, okay, so like, just to even like rewind the tape a little bit, like when we were shopping special around, there was a bidding war uh, between like four studios that wanted to produce it and then take it out to networks, okay? And I was very, I was like a little story editor on Awkward. Like I had only been working in the business for a year. I had no power whatsoever. I was also 26 or 27. Like I had no idea what I was doing. But what I really was sure about was that I wanted this show to explore sexuality. I, I definitely, you know, wanted to push the envelope, come all over it, et cetera, et cetera. And I knew, I also knew the landscape of Hollywood was like, I knew that like CBS would be like, disabled, gay, cool, like we love it. And then they would like buy and be like, wait, what? Like, I, like what did we just buy? Like, <laughs> I don't understand. And then like, we could never show his sexuality, whatever, whatever. So I, I just knew that that was the road that I didn't want to go on. And I remember like certain studios actually backed out because they're like, well, if he doesn't want to go to network, then we're not interested. Because for some reason, even though literally no one cares about network television and they're 40 years behind, no offense, but they just are, like, who cares? They still have this weird power because they weirdly have so much money yep. still. And um, so anyway, so I was like, I'm proud of, like, 27-year-old, like, silly me that was still, like, like, didn't know anything, but was like, no, I don't want to go to network. Like... I really, really think this show should explore sex in a really honest way, and I want to make sure that I'm in a place that can support that. Mm -hmm. So, um, you know, we ended up at Netflix, which literally, like, anything goes, which I love. Um, and it was really, really important to me that we show Ryan as a sexually viable person with desires and with agency. And um, I also wanted to destigmatize sex work, which is something that I'm very passionate about. So it was almost like killing two birds with one very woke stone. Um, and I, I, it was really important to me that the sex feels authentic. That, like, I looked at like girls, which really kind of portrayed straight sex as kind of messy and weird and awkward and funny and all the things. And it was like revolutionary to show sex in an honest way. And I was like, oh, I want to do that, but for for gay people, because that's the same experience as well. I, sex can be, you know, sexy, it can be awkward, it can be humiliating, it can be empowering, all within the span of two minutes. So I really, really wanted to kind of showcase that reality. And um, shooting this scene was so weird because I, I could feel... 
very rarely do you feel in the moment that you are setting out, you're achieving what you set out to do. Like, it's usually like, oh, I hope that fucking worked out. I'll see it mm-hmm. in the edit, you know? And that was like the scene where I was like, oh shit, this feels like something. This feels like we're tapping into an energy that we've never seen before. And it feels organic and it feels real. And um, it was a terrifying scene to shoot because, you know, I was like naked the entire time and blah, blah, blah. But honestly, from a CP perspective, the hardest part of that scene was I had to uh, get undressed, like from a suit. So I didn't know, like, I didn't know acting. I didn't know like how acting works. So I didn't realize that you like have to do a scene 40 different times. So like when you're seeing me like get out of my suit, it's not like we just did that once. And it's like, anyways, like we shot that like 40 different ways, 40 different coverage. Like we shot that, we shot that like on Brian's coverage, meaning that I wasn't even like in the shot, but I had to get undressed. Do you know what I'm saying? So like I, my CPS was like exhausted. So by the time that I was like, (laughs) by the time that I was like naked and on the, on my back, I was like, honey, let's party. I'm at club med. Like it was like, I, I, I truly felt like I was just like, you know, like being able to like sit back and relax. I like, that was the easiest part in the world. Like getting through that like suit undressing scene was pure hell. Mm-hmm. Oh my God. Yeah. Or, um, it's such a small moment right before that scene, but it stood out for me. Ryan gets to, I forget the other character's name. Uh, Shay. Shay's apartment and looks up the staircase and is like, fuck. Like, doesn't say anything, but just that half-second shot uh-huh. of, like, mm-hmm. now there's stairs, too? Like, I came here to... <laughs> yeah, it's like, <laughs> like the obstacle course to lose my virginity. It's like, yeah, here we go, so... the, the amazing race. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, it's just, like, another fucking thing. Um... Well, I think disabled people make these small calculations, like, a million times a day. Of, of it. And by the way, like, I feel yeah. like I have always been so addicted to routine and structure and i feel like it's so hard with disability like what came first like the chicken or the egg kind of vibes where where it's like i live my life in such a way that like i do the same thing every day i eat the same thing every day i go to the same coffee shop every day and i wonder if that's not so much an obsession with routine as so much as a um an aversion to any kind of surprise because Mm. i don't like navigating anything that i like because i don't know what will pop up i remember when i um went to europe lol when i was 23 like post-grad vibes <laughs> and uh i was just like every day there was some kind of new troll that i had to like navigate with like you know a door or a key like like you know whatever like i just i couldn't conceptualize what was in front of me because it was all new and i think that's when my brain has a hard time processing things a little bit it takes me like a second to orient myself so that was a really stressful experience and i feel like i've set up my life in such a way where there are no surprises and it's like I know how to do every single thing you know what I mean I think it's a type of energy calculation that non-disabled people will never understand it's mm-hmm. it's crypt tax is what it is it's like you really have to think <laughs> about you really have to overthink about what is what you can do and what you're able to do and do, do you have the energy and will you have the energy to do this thing so I can only imagine for you Ryan like doing that scene 40 times yeah you had to do it but like your poor CP body didn't doesn't know you're acting and doesn't know like <laughs> all it knows is it has to do it again. Uh, yeah, I I really honestly did not. I think the hardest part of that job was just the the gruel the the physical the physicality mm-hmm. of it, how grueling it was. Because like 
no, that's what no one talks about when they talk about acting. But obviously, it's not that big of a deal for someone who doesn't have cerebral palsy. But like, you know, for example, like when I had to, um, I, I trip like a couple times in the in the show, and that was like a stunt double. Obviously, they weren't going to risk this precious cargo. Um, but I had to. <laughs> I had to, like, get up, you know, each scene, and that was really hard, like, having mm-hmm. to, like, get up from the ground over and over and over again. And I, the season, so season two, we we shot four episodes, and then we shut down because of the pandemic, and then we came back. And, you know, I stayed, like, physically active. Like, Mama, Mama went on her, like, hour and a half, like, Hillary Clinton wandering in the woods sanity <laughs> walks every day. Like, every like, day. like yeah. yeah, like, I needed to move my body. It felt like, it, you know, so it didn't get too stiff. Like, I was really into, like, mm-hmm. keeping things loose and fun and fancy free. Yeah. So I was kind of like, oh, I've done a good job, like, keeping in shape and, like, da 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 and um, I went back to shooting, and it was, like, truly, like, getting hit by a Mack truck. It was, like, mm. I remember, like, the for one of the first things we shot was this um, was this dance that we shot over two days. And it was just me dancing for two days straight. And it was, like, crazy. I felt like I was 85 years old. Like, okay. I had, like, insane lower back pain. I had, like, it was just wild. But what I'll say, this is, like, spoilers, whatever, who cares, um, the, the, the dance was full of other disabled people. And, uh, and so whenever I was feeling like, oh my God, I'm going to have to like lie down. I'm like, I'm at, my body's on fire. This is insane. I would see other people with more severe disabilities than me who were just like trucking along. And I was like, okay, bitch, get your shit together. You're the fucking captain of this team. Like put on a fucking face and go dance to fucking, you know, Rihanna, like do what you got to do. Um, but it was it was really wild though. Like I just wasn't my body really was like shocked back into um, having to be this like productive worker bee again, and it was it was intense. And then also I'm like I'm not getting body work done because of the pandemic, and that's something that's been really kind of of a moment too because my body is like needs to get retuned like once a week for sure. Otherwise mm-hmm. things get a little scary, Jerry. And I've been in, unable to do that, and I'm kind of just doing what I can to mitigate it myself. But it's you know, it's like a full-time job keeping this body running to the best of its ability. And um, that's been a challenging part of it, too, that I don't think people, like, really understand. Is like, I'm not, like, going to, like, Bliss Spa and getting, like, fucking, like... <laughs> like, you know what I mean? It's not like, oh, relaxing. It's like literally someone's breaking my body and putting it back together so it can run more efficiently. Yeah. Anyway, so that was also... That's also been a hard part of the pandemic, I think. Oh, my God, totally. Have you ever done cuffing? No, but like I'm addicted and kind of want to try it. It feels very goopy. I, okay, I was so <laughs> terrified because if people don't know, it's literally a glass cup that gets lit on fire and then it's plopped on your back. And then you have these perfectly cylindrical like hickeys for a week on your back. Um, but it fixes my what life. What does it do? It fixes my life. So it's light, it's a type of body work. It's like massage, but it, rather than like someone pressing into the tissue, it like pulls the tissue up and it just like, it helps my back so much. Oh, like I feel like could... I feel like I could like dance for two days in a Netflix scene, like afterwards. And then I get oh, and I then I get cocky because I'm like, I feel awesome and then I overdo it and then I crash. But um mm. it's my favorite thing. Yeah. So Oh wow, I need to try that. You know, it's funny, like <laughs> getting older the rumors are true. Like your body doesn't run the way it used to and like 
I remember like I had to go do a talk in New York and I was on deadline because I was writing the first episode of season two and I, I wrote the the, the first se- the first episode like you know on the airplane back to Los Angeles and I was like hunched over like just on my little type whatever in my airplane I like didn't move I was like so engrossed for like six hours and then we landed and I like looked up my body was just like bitch what did you just fucking do like for six hours and I I like couldn't move. Like yeah. I literally was like frozen. And then it was like, I truly was in the most excruciating pain of my life. I had to, I had all these things planned. I was like pitching a show the next day. I did all this stuff. And I had to like, just wipe the slate clean and be like, actually, like I truly hurt myself. Like my body is in such excruciating pain. Like I, I'm sorry, I can't. And that triggers so many issues with me that I, mm. that it truly, mm. I'm like, I need to deal with because like, this is like a sneak preview of what it's like to get older and i feel like i still have this like ableist issue of like Mm. needing to be like bigger faster stronger and like i feel like people when they see me and they think of me they're they're gonna think of someone who needs to like take a day off because they hurt their like body or whatever and i'm like no for too long it sounds yeah, so exactly. insane. Yeah, like, exactly. By the way, because, because, like, because of working. Because I'm fucking sitting here working and I'm trying to, like, mm-hmm. do... And because I had the genius idea of flying to Syracuse when I was on deadline to write the first episode of season two. Like, and I just was like, I can do both. You know, it was like this, this total, like, obsessive overloading of work mm-hmm. that I'm just, like, that I have as an issue. And, like, it obviously, like, caused problems. And then guess what? Like... Because of that, because I bit off more than I could chew, I had to cancel the next three days of work commitments that I had because mm-hmm. I couldn't keep it chill. But then I felt this deep amount of shame. And I think any time that I'm physically compromised is deeply, deeply triggering to me because of my CP, but also because I got hit by a car when I was 20 and I developed compartment syndrome, which was like another disability, which was very traumatizing. And it's like, I need to be okay with accepting my limitations. And I have a really hard time with that. And I feel like I fight against that all the time. So. I think that's also partially because in the disability community, we're not allowed to talk about our limitations. Yeah. We're supposed mm. to. And even, even with all the work we've done in like disability justice, we're still not allowed to talk about, this is the thing that stops me, and it's okay to talk about that. Mm-hmm. We're supposed to, as disabled people, push through no matter what the fuck is happening to us. Yes. And we're not allowed to say, hey, this sucks today. I mean, especially for you being such a public figure. Like, if you, if all of your, if all of your Instagram was like, my body hurts today because of CP, Hollywood would be like, what the fuck's happening with Ryan? Like, what's, what, what? Yeah, I mean, it's like exactly like I I feel like like you think like disabled people can't do anything. Well, I'm like a I'm a showrunner. I'm an actor. I'm doing this. I'm doing that. Like da da. And by the way, like luckily, like I've been so blessed like to not have chronic pain. Like by the way, this is like such a funny thing. Like every time I have like body work done by someone who's never met my body, they're literally the whole time being like, wow. Oh my god, they're like, whoa, they're like, I get to have fun with you, and I'm like, uh, and then it's like actually deeply insulting. First of all, I'm like, there, I'm just like, please work on me, but they're like, wait, so like, whoa, whoa, your muscles are so tight. They're like, are you in chronic pain? I'm like, no, they're like, what? You're not? How are you functioning? Yeah, yeah, how do you even do anything? And I'm like, honey, I'm just trying to like fucking get my work done i'm just like i'm here for my oil check like fucking just do what you gotta do like you're making me feel really not great about myself i sort of got it like i could put a timer to it it happens all the time and i'm like honey like god keep your comments to yourself also like 
I'm sorry, like, I'm not in chronic pain, hashtag blessed, but like, the way that you're assessing my body right now is like deeply insulting. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's, sho it's, sh it's shocking what people feel. It's almost like, I guess, how like a woman would feel if she's pregnant when they're like, let me touch your body. Like, 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 mm -hmm. they're, like your baby belongs to them. People have this weird sense of entitlement over your body if you're disabled. Like they feel mm -hmm. like they can say anything. They feel like they can ask anything. And as someone who's always making mental cal calculations into like how I'm being perceived and how I'm coming off, it really blows my mind that people just have no shame and just do whatever they want and say whatever they want without any kind of mm -hmm. thinking. And it's hard because you can tell that they, not all the time, but a lot of the time you can tell they were trying to say something nice. They were trying to be empathetic. They were trying to like, get into your world and they didn't know how and that's the hardest part because yeah we can put the i could put them on blast and i could be like oh fuck you you're the worst but i'm trying so hard to be like to now be like okay why did you say that thing you just said right Let's unpack that because mm -hmm. because i don't want to cancel you because that's almost worse so you feel like you have to use your platform to teach people all the time even when you're like i don't want it today i want to <laughs> just be disabled and be happy but i feel like if i don't correct you you're going to keep going on with this. And how do I do that in a nice way? So you don't feel like I've done something wrong by telling you how I feel. Yeah. It's, a, it's always like, yeah, you're like, I don't want to play teacher today. I want to just like, why is the onus always on me to educate? But it like kind of is. And you kind of have to like, <laughs> I remember like at a, a Emmy event where basically like you have to like meet Emmy. The whole thing is so weird. Like you have to meet Emmy voters. It's just like a lot. Anyway, one person came up to me and was like, I had no idea you were even disabled. I had no idea. And I was like, okay. And she was saying it as a compliment. Like I should have mm. received, like I pass mm -hmm. as, which by the way, like I don't, I have a limp that's clear as day, but God bless. Um, <laughs> but like, like I'm like, actually like, LOL. Like, um, but it was like, honey, like I, that's not a compliment. I mean, I don't like the, my, the goal is to not appear as able-bodied. Like that's mm -hmm. not, but, like, you think you're doing a nice thing. You think this is a compliment because we live in an ableist society, so I get it. But, like, you shouldn't say that. It's offensive. And did you pull her aside at the semi event and be like, No, because hey, no. I was meeting, like, 80 people and I was overwhelmed. <laughs> and, like, there's no handbook how to deal with this shit because it's very relatable. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and you know, I, so I was just like, No, thank you so much. Like, pose and then moving on. <laughs> do you know what I mean? Like, what are you going to do? You know, but it is like, you just, you, you make note of these things because it's, it just shows how pervasive this ableism is and how it seeps into the crevices. You know what I mean? It's, uh, mm. it's wild. We talked, um, so Ryan and I first met was like four years ago now. I think I was in LA. And Over La Scala chopped salads. Get the setting right. Over People La need Scala to know. Chopped salads. It was very important. We were in Beverly Hills. Did you? Did you? By the way, did you? Did you track the La Scala controversy that's just happened? Did no. you see that? Oh my oh, god! Yeah, so, no, you tweeted about it, right? I don't, well, I, first of all, first of all, I deleted Twitter and the yeah. What the f WTF? I was looking for you the other day and I was like, where'd he go? I've I have transcended the space of Twitter. It's the ultimate power move. Congrats. I hate I <laughs> I hate Twitter so much. It's like like and I was like, there are so many more interesting ways for me to feel bad about myself. I need to mm -hmm. like exit this party that I never liked and was never having fun. And, um, yeah, I've been off of it for months. I'm truly addicted. Highly recommend 10 out of 10. But, um, but La, La Scala 
underwent some backlash recently because they uh, were, were basically pitching, they were in their takeout containers, they were slipping a note to their customers saying, hey, like, we're taking the temperature, like, we're thinking of uh, throwing a New Year's Eve dinner, but, like, and then iconically, the last line was, uh, the, the last line was, be discreet and tell everyone you know, which I'm like, well, those two <laughs> things don't make sense. <laughs> But oh my God. Look, listen, La Scala is my church. So ultimately, oh I God. like, so here's, well, here's how I feel about that. I love how they're like, let's talk about disability. I'm like, so La Scala, let's weigh in. <laughs> um, but <laughs> give, give the readers what they want. Yeah, um, yeah. So, no, but basically, like, you know, the government in, in America has left everyone high and dry with no kind of roadmap on how to deal with these things. And a lot of restaurants are closing because they have no support. So I feel like in the pandemic, there's a lot of um, misdirected anger towards the source when I'm like, we should be mad for being orphaned by this government that has forced restaurants into compromising positions mm -hmm. to have to make ends meet. Yeah. So it's like, yeah, I just, but I feel like we feel so powerless because the government is like this huge entity that we can't quite grasp. So we try to throw our rage hose towards the local level. But to me, it's like very misdirected. But yeah, anyway, uh, so we were at La Scala. Okay, sorry. So that's La Scala. Yes. I, uh, I feel like it's the beginning of every like cliche magazine profile. It's like he delicately like took a bite of his La Scala salad um, mm -hmm. and we were talking about how uber drivers love to ask you what's wrong with your body yes <laughs> like they do you, you call it uber and <laughs> five stars especially when you're alone <laughs> happens to me all the time it's always men and they're like yes what happened to you wait are you okay let me get the are you like I don't know if they think you're like injured slash drunk um, it happens all the time and then that day like another thing that happens and then i think happened to us right afterwards like we went to we went to Creighton barrel i think it was yep. Creighton barrel I iconic I what was i what, by the way what were we doing there i was like here's have a fun time in la here's the Creighton barrel in beverly hills that i know <laughs> from canada that you have been dying to try i feel like such a bad host <laughs> no you were like hey what are you doing right now i need a wine rack do you want to come and i was like of course i do <laughs> This is some hardcore foreshadowing for when Ryan and I hang out. I know where we're oh going. Oh my god, yeah, so, so on brand. So it was, on brand. It was really glamorous. So we're shopping for a wine rack, and it was just so like it's people don't know what to do when there's two disabled people, like visibly disabled people together. Like the, yeah. the store person is like looking you up and down. Like, are you are you good? Like, it's very funny mm -hmm. to me. And I'm very Julia. I'm very Julia Roberts and Pretty Woman. I'm like, I got money to spend here. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Did they think you were dating? Because because you know because you're two disabled people. I'm sure somebody must have walked up to him and been like, oh, are you together? Good for you. No, I think they thought we escaped from, like, the disabled factory. <laughs> we needed to, like, we needed to, like, go back to our home. You yeah. know what I mean? Mm -hmm. um, and then the only other anecdote, we can cut this, it's not important. The only other anecdote from that day is um, that you were like, do people say, like, can I pray for you? And I was like, that hasn't happened to me. And then the very next day I was walking down the street and this woman was like, God bless. Like I'm gonna pray for. Like, like tries to touch you, and it's like, please mm. stop. Oh my God! I I I I take full responsibility for that. It's like <laughs> I summon I summoned that into your life. Also, yeah. it might just be an, a regional thing. It might be an LA thing. Maybe. <laughs> Maybe, but yeah. Yeah, I've gotten that. I've gotten that from like people on the street. I've gotten that from like an Uber driver saying like, oh, I can heal you through my tinctures, and you're like, honey, what the? F people are just truly so fucking wild. It's like, 
they all need to seek treatment, in my opinion. But mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The, the ableism is the virus. Yes. For well, that, is it a shirt yet? Can it be a shirt? How do we? Ryan, you know people make that a shirt. Yeah, <laughs> my God, I'm very inept, but I'm sure I can find a way to get that out there. Christina, you want to toss us another like actual question, or do we want to continue talking about salad? I mean, I could go either way. I know, right? Oh my God. And then Ryan, so, Ryan, this is your episode. A question, or just like more salad stories? Up to you. <laughs> Um, we can do a question, and then I'm sure that will turn into another salad story. Okay, cool. Um, so in kind of like other interviews and writing that you've done, you've described your relationship to your disabled identity as a process of coming out that mm-hmm. almost was more challenging for you in terms of coming out as gay. So with where you're at now in your life what is your relationship to a queer correct identity in terms of your activism and representation in the world oh my god again such a hurry fully loaded question first of all i feel like i have such anxiety because i feel like there's still so much i have to learn about disability and i feel like my brain is always being expanded in terms of disability like i just read this book called Sitting Pretty by mm. Rebecca. Oh my God, I'm blanking on her last name. Uh, I'm truly Copley, garbage. Maybe no, no. Rebecca Tollefson. Yes, or yes, or something, yeah, yeah, something yeah. in that area. I'll link her and Instagram because it's really good. I I read that book um, like two months ago, and my brain just expanded. It was just like it was so. She's like smart. Like I I identify spiritually as like and intellectually as like a bimbo, and so like. <laughs> She has, a, she has, like, a literal PhD, so you're like, oh, hey, I get it. Like, you know what I mean? Um, but her book is so smart. Like, she just talks about these kind of intense subjects and ableism and blah, blah, blah. But she does it in a really succinct, thoughtful, um, easy-to-digest kind of way. And just even reading that, it was like, okay, brain expansion a little bit more, brain expansion a little bit more. So, but I think I have this anxiety because, like, I don't see myself as like an activist per se like mm-hmm. i think like in terms of like knowing so much more about like like kayla you're an academic like you went to school for a million years like you know your shit capital s and like i don't and like i think i guess i guess if i was to say like my form of activism is through storytelling like that's the medium through which i do because like i'm a disabled person who like goes through the world with the confidence of like rob schneider in the late 90s and i think that's like my own form of activism yeah but like do you know what i mean but i think i have this sort of like inadequacy or like imposter syndrome that like i don't quite Mm. have it all like i don't know it all and um that gives me you know that does give me anxiety but i also know that everyone's road is different and there's many different kinds of forms of activism there's something really and I've, i've said this to you before i think there's something really refreshing about the fact that you don't claim to know everything and you don't come off like this this hyper knowledgeable person on everything disability because i think a, a lot of the times when it comes to disability justice we're expected to know everything right away mm-hmm. and if we don't know everything right away then we've somehow failed and what mm-hmm. i appreciate about your work and the way you position yourself is that you don't claim to know everything you're just learning and i think there's value in being a disabled person and being confident enough to say I don't know this but I'm willing to learn yeah I mean even like okay I'm gonna be like totally real so like there okay so there's something in season two 
this is like spoiler alert too, whatever. I'm being so bad. I feel like I shouldn't say any of these things. But there, there's, there's flashbacks to Ryan as a baby, which by the way, I'm truly addicted. Love. The kid was adorable. Like it's beyond. He had CP. I'm just like dead. Yes. Yeah. Well, yeah. well, by the way, of course, you yeah. think I'm going to fucking hire an ape like LOL. But, no. you know, but, but by the way, CP um, actor babies don't grow on trees. Let's put it that way. It was not. It was like, you know what I mean? It's not like going to the galleria and like picking something up so um anyway he was amazing it was all amazing but the episode ends i think so whatever like whatever like there's a moment where you know ryan is struggling to walk and karen my mom doesn't know if he ever will because that was so much of my parents growing up like they did not know what my case was gonna be like so the first three years of my life first of all everything was delayed obviously i wasn't i wasn't reaching milestones when i should have or whatever and so but they they really didn't know where i would plateau they did not know what Mm. my case was going to look like and i thought i always thought wow what a really intense stressful thing not to know you know so anyway the the at one point Ryan does walk and he takes his first steps and it's seen as this really emotional thing and there's this gorgeous score and Jessica knocks it, Jessica knocks it out of the park and it's really beautiful and it's emotional. I actually really get teary-eyed, but then I think, why am I so emotional? Why is it so important that Ryan is taking his first steps? Why, why is this such a thing that we've seen of like, yes, okay, so then let's unpack it. So then it's like, okay, so of course, like Jessica, my mom, Karen, is excited to for Ryan to walk because she knows his life just got that much more easier because we live in a world that is not um, as hospitable to wheelchair users as it is to people who can walk. So she already knows that by walking, he's going to have an easier time just baseline existing. Mm-hmm. But when we, when, but, but that's, that's fine. But when you're doing a TV show, you can't have these like subtitles of like, so just FYI, <laughs> this is, a, but like, you know what I'm saying? Wait, like, can we like, do, can we do like a director's cut where we like break it down and I can be like, well, yeah, this disability <laughs> theory says actually. <laughs> but see, but see when I made it, when I, when I wrote it and when we shot it, I, I, I wrote it as this really important emotional moment, which again, it was, this is where it gets confusing. Like Mm -hmm. again, for, for the mom, it was, Mm -hmm. but now that we shot this, like, you know, cause of the pandemic, I wrote it like fucking a year ago and we shot it almost a year ago. Now I'm like, oh, I don't want to see you know, a beautiful moment of a disabled person learning how to walk ever again, because I think it's really harmful. Mm-hmm. And I, and I think it, again, it's, it's, it's ableism. It, it, it is just like in its, in its purest form. Mm-hmm. And I think if you're going to show it, you should question why it's so important. Like people should question why they're getting so emotional and why it's so important to them that Ryan knows how to walk. Why is that so fucking important? And they like, like, why are we not, you know, holding the world to task to make it so that's not the end goal, that people can live within the confines of their ability and not have to suffer and not, you know, be left out, not be left behind. So would it be just as awesome to see a similar scene like in in the next show that tackles disability where you know little baby person gets their first wheelchair like right so that's that's where i'm going so like like where like in my new show which who the fuck knows what will happen like it's much more about that and it's Mm -hmm. like 
but it's a, but it's an interesting thing where like I have grown now as a person, as a disabled person, where I I don't and I'm not trying to throw my own show under the bus. Like it's such a beautiful moment, and I don't want to also undercut what Jessica did and what like the whole operation is because I I think it's beautifully done. But it's it, but it's definitely one of those moments where I'm like, oh, like like we need to challenge why this is so in like why this is so why you're getting teary eyed about seeing a disabled child learn how to walk. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And like why is this so the important? mommy bloggers love those videos like kids learning yeah. to walk, yeah. babies learning to hear like cochlear implants People and things learning like to that. See for the first time and once they get like you know. The, the things in their eyes or once they have surgery to fix their eyesight or whatever. Like. And I get why they're so excited. It's because their life is going to get easier. Like, because, <laughs> because again, our world is not structured to support them. So, mm-hmm. but it's like, why are we trying to build, bend ourselves? Why is that the end goal? Like, mm-hmm. again, it needs to be, but like, I don't know. It's like, we... it's so hard. And I, I agree with you. I think it's really hard and it's so nuanced. And I think, when those happen to the parents and they see their disabled child walking for the first time or they see like the disabled baby hearing or the deaf baby hearing for the first time they shouldn't be robbed of that joy of course not but i think my problem with videos like that and not the not the one that you shot but like videos we see on youtube all the time is that it's then produced for like the able gaze of concern it is it is but but my show my i mean it's not out yet but it feels like that was my, it was for that consumption. It just like shows that like mm. in my work, like I am evolving like in real time in a lot of ways. And like, That's by the cool. way, season two to me is so incredible and I'm so excited for you guys to all see it. And I really think you'll love it because I think it really, it goes there and talk, it's just, I don't know. I'm very proud of it, but it's that one moment that I'm like, hmm, okay. Why is that in, like, why do we do that? Like what, like, like, what is that doing? Like, is that, that's not saying we've seen that before. Like, we're not. But it's, like, again, like, my brain wasn't, I wasn't there yet when we made it. Mm-hmm. And now I am. So it's, like, there you go. In real time, you're seeing me figure things out, which is a interesting way to be processing things, let me tell you. Yeah, like, oh, you want to do this in public in front of, like, on Netflix? Yeah. Like, here you go. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But by the way, like, I will say, like, the disabled community like you know knock on wood because who knows what the season two reception will be but like they've been really supportive of everything that i've done which is amazing because sometimes you can eat your own and um i just like to do that a lot yeah and so i just i mean but and i'm sure someone will, will eat me for breakfast lunch and dinner but um i've just been really and all i can do with everything i do is lead with honesty like i just like need to be completely upfront and and, you know, I, I wouldn't even feel comfortable, like, showing that and not commenting it the way I'm talking about it now. Because it's, like, I think you, you should be allowed to just grow in real time. I think that's just, mm-hmm. like, called being a human. You've spoken a little bit of, about reception, and I'm curious, just curious, because, like, so many of the non-disabled people that I have come across who watch your show have immediately gone to, it was so great, in the first two minutes I started crying, and it was so amazing, and I loved it, and it was so powerful, and... I get that, but I'm also like, oh, okay, did you, like, l- watch it for its comedic value, or were you just shocked <laughs> to see it 
like <laughs> a disabled person enjoying themselves. What's happening here? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I don't know. It's interesting. I mean, I think sometimes I'm like, when we think, when I think about the positive reception the show got, I'm like, are we just woke proof? Can you not take down the gay disabled show? <laughs> like, <laughs> what's happening? Do you know what I mean? Because there's been some shows I've seen where I'm like, what's going on? Because that's not, yeah. Um, but like. Uh, yeah, no, I don't know. I, I don't, like, it's so, but I'm sure it's so personal that you can't even tease apart, like, what you're enjoying about it. Is it because mm. of the storytelling, or is it because you're finally seeing someone that looks and acts like you? I mean, I'm sure that's just it's such a powerful feeling. the Paso meme, like, why not both? Yeah, like, exactly. Like, the girl with the tacos, <laughs> like, that's how I feel. It was both for me. Mm. Like, the fact, first of all, the fact that the first episode was called Cerebral Lolzy, I was like, I never <laughs> thought I would see that on this earth. But then the fact that there are other jokes make me laugh anyway, I'm like, this is... I thought that was so funny because Ryan and I talked before and Ryan used that terminology with me before I saw it. So I saw it and I went, yeah, that's peak Ryan O'Connor. Yeah. That's, that's, that tracks. Punning, punning is a disability that I would love to be cured from, actually. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah. that's, uh, I'm sorry, problematic, but I actually would like to live life pun-free, okay? <laughs> I think it's been a huge detriment to my world, and, like, I would love to live without it. It's a disease. It's a disease. I share it. Maybe it's a comorbidity with cerebral palsy. I share it, too. I have the same thing. I also love alliteration really hard. Me, too. I think it's I a CP symptom. Yeah, exactly. LOL. We just come up with our own. We're like doctors. We're like, so if you have cerebral palsy, you might experience something called cunning. And it's going to be it's gonna be really scary. Oh, yeah, you're going to be alliterating things. Honey, I mean, it's like I wish we could do something, but there's no cure. And it just is what it is. You know, it's your body figuring things out through your mind. Yeah. Yeah. Going to have to live with that. I know I have a couple of friends who have CP and we text each other. It's like, does this happen to you? Like, it's like those infomercials, but we're just like, do you think this is a symptom? <laughs> How do I get on that text chain? <laughs> yeah, oh my I, God. I will text you. I don't know. I just feel like I get so sweaty all the time. And I'm like, is this a CP thing? I don't know. Just from... No, I don't think so. <laughs> well, but also, but also CP. But the thing about CP that is so crazy is that it really does affect everyone differently. That's the thing that I'm like, yeah. that it's like so crazy is that like someone could have CP and have experience like none of the things that you experience like it's such mm -hmm. a like it, it, it catches such a wide swath of symptoms and side effects but and I all also that stuff. love if you have CP like when we when I was watching the first season like um you know there were so many markers I was like yep yeah, oh yep yeah, that's a CP thing like yep yeah, his gait is totally I can tell like yeah mm -hmm. completely so like I think that for the CP viewers watching it there were so many moments of like I I'm included here Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, absolutely. There's a lot of commonalities and just like, I, I, I think it is like the, like, I think what people can relate to regardless of like the severity of your case or whatever is the mental gymnastics you have to do to navigate the world on a daily basis. I just say I'm severely sexy all the time. So I mean. <laughs> yes, exactly. Be the, be the PR firm for CP that you wish to see in the world. That's also a it. symptom. Sexiness, He's severely sexy. Yeah, yeah. Yes. It's so bad. I mean, it's really hard. Like, it's really hard to be. To be <laughs> really, really, really That's hard. That's what they said. Oh my god, lol. <laughs> Alrighty. Um, I gotta, I got a few more questions. I, I. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. And then. Yeah. And then we'll have to go live all out in the rest of our Sunday afternoons. It's like dark um, out here, so it feels like nighttime. Yeah. <laughs> 
Um, so we talked a little bit, yeah, I mean, we talked a lot about ableism in society, and we talked a little bit about kind of, like, internalized ableism. Like, what's next for you in this, like, unlearning of internalized ableism in your life, and how do you see that um, being represented in your work moving forward? Well, internalized ableism, I like to think of like is like a poisonous gas that is like everywhere that you can't necessarily like see or smell, but it's just mm-hmm. there, and like you don't even know when you're inhaling it until you're like, mm, I feel kind of lightheaded. Weird. Anyways, mm-hmm. um, so <laughs> I don't think it's necessarily like when it's when it's a byproduct of the culture that you live in. I don't necessarily think there's a version where you're just like, I'm done. Like, no. do you know what I mean? It's like mm. it's it's. It's always going to be, for me at least, a very complicated journey. And the only thing that I can do is really just be cognizant of it and be able to, like, check myself before I wreck myself, you know? Mm -hmm. But, I mean, what we talked about earlier, like, my obsession with, like, productivity and, like, wanting... I also just feel, as a disabled person, I just feel like I'm I'm on this, like, time clock. Not to, like, be morbid, because I don't think I'm going to die, like early or whatever <laughs> cut to tomorrow it's like his last podcast <laughs> um, but I, I it's like but I, I just feel like I have so much I want to get done and there's so much I want to do and there's so much I want to say like I just feel like very like man on a mish and like yeah. I don't necessarily know it's so hard because I feel like cerebral palsy has gifted me with a lot of amazing like qualities in terms of being productive in terms of being kind of scrappy and being like let's fucking figure this out you know like a like macgyver vibes but like i also think like i wish i could like be kind to myself and let myself take breaks and like Mm. like you know what i mean like i'm even triggered when i like get a cold you know what i mean that's also another reason why i don't want to get corona like even if it's mild it will like wreck me for weeks because it will mean i'm like taken out for a few days like i really really we talked about like me getting injured on like the airplane being all hunched over and stuff like those those events are deeply deeply triggering because they symbolize a loss of control and i Mm. feel like so much of my energy is like I was born into a body I could not control. So now in every other aspect of my life, I'm going to exert control where I can. And that's that where I find solace. That is so a CP thing. Like, I don't know, Kayla, I don't know if you experienced that, every but day. I literally what you just said made me be like, oh my God, it's me because I have to control every scintilla of what I do because I can't control anything else. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And it's like, it, but like but like in a way like that need for control has has given me a lot of amazing things but yeah. the, to me to me it's always a double-edged sword it's always like paying a game of whack-a-mole like mm-hmm. it brings me a lot of gifts but it also can bring me a lot of heartache and i just don't know how to like tease those things apart i think they all come in the same package and you just have to learn how to be to deal with them and be mindful mm-hmm. but it's like it's not again it's like never going to be a journey where like I'm going to be like, okay, like I conquered internalized ableism, cross that off my list. Yeah. I think it's going to always be with me. And it's always really important to like, like understand, like, why am I doing this? Like, why is it important that I, you know, 
it like even exercising like I got really into exercising like five years ago because I never had a relationship to my body I was very disconnected which I think was rooted in self-loathing and denying my disability like my body would call me I would never call it back it would text I'd be like get I got a new number XOXO oh you were that guy I was like that guy well no I was just like I was like I was just like oh my god LOL no but it was like like I just like really I like felt profoundly disconnected from my body because I hated it and I saw my body as something that like all I could see it for were its flaws were its deficits or whatever and then I started exercising and I felt for the first time profoundly in my body in touch with my body Mm. connected to my body which was incredible and I also was like floored by what my body could do because I feel like having CP I was just resigned to a certain level of mobility blah 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 but by exercising and moving my body I felt like I was conquering these things I never thought were possible so that was really empowering mm-hmm. however again double-edged sword time it's like I also felt like part of me was like the more I was working out was like, trying to achieve this able-bodiedness like mm-hmm. if I run five mm-hmm. miles maybe like the CP will just magically fall off of me so that's what I'm talking about it's like such a tricky thing because it's not one thing it's like yeah. it's it can be both positive and negative and because of the ableism that exists in our society it's really hard to tell where one ends and the other begins does that make sense 100 yeah. percent. Absolutely. one million it's so relatable Mm-hmm. It's so yeah. relatable content. <laughs> ding, ding, ding. That's what I aim to give. Just 100% relatability. Chop salads. People harassing me at Emmy events. <laughs> you know, like I just really am. I'm a man of the fucking people. You know. <laughs> <laughs> or a man of the sea people, if you will. Oh, that's oh. okay. Okay, again, again, we're, we're not okay. You're not okay. That's a pun. Again, punning is like, check yourself, take an ointment, take an ointment. Like, I'll take a tincture. LOL. Yeah, exactly. I'll cure you. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, it's it's so hard because then people like, people don't see the behind the scenes mental gymnastics. They only see what you put out, right? And then they're like, oh my God, you're amazing. Like, you're like so inspiring. And it's like, okay, I'm just like trying to live. And yeah. <laughs> just trying to totally. live. Totally. Yeah, <laughs> I know. It's really bizarre. And I don't think like, I don't know if you find a metaphor to make people understand, like, let me know. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's hard. It's really, really hard. Also, I think there's a certain mind fuck with having CP where you feel on both, uh, you feel this insane, insane sense of hyper visibility and sense of like, wherever you go, people are going to stare at you. Da, da, da. <laughs> and then it's met with also this hyper invisibility. So you see people see you and then make the decision to unsee you in real time. Mm-hmm. So it's this really, really insane mind fuck contrast of being like walking around, like you're this glow in the dark sticker. And then, but then also just seeing, like, feeling like no one sees you and that you're just completely ignored. Mm-hmm. So that's fun, too. Or, like, have you ever experienced where, like, maybe you only talk to someone over the phone or in now- nowadays, like, over Zoom, and so they only see, like, your face and they don't know, and then you meet them in person and they see you, st- like, you're, or you're sitting at a chair or something and they come into the room, and then you stand mm. up and, like, stumble out the door and they're like, they, they, you can see them trying to figure it out because they're like, I didn't, I didn't, oh, oh, like. <laughs> totally, but I have a fix for that. I think you should just star in your own Netflix show and then everyone will know uh-huh. that you're disabled so then right. you don't have to deal with that ever again. Oh my so God, you why didn't work... I think of that? 
No, I, don't, I actually yeah. don't know. And I, I don't want to, like, call you out. But I just, like, I'm like, hello. It's like, the, the solution is right there, Kayla. It's like, hello. <laughs> Kayla, let's start production on that. Can I be your co-star? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, maybe, maybe there's someone who already has a show that could... <laughs> who? That could I want to kill them. Like, who? Who? What, bitch? <laughs> this, this, I'm person we know. I'm threatened. I'm like, who? I'll take him down. Um... <laughs> Yeah. yeah, it's weird. But, you know, it's weird, like, because, because I was closeted with my disability until I was 28, mm-hmm. um, it has been really, really crazy to go from someone who was trying to, like, push CP out of his life, like, you know, no one really knew, to just now the whole world knows. Mm-hmm. Um, it's much better on this end. And we talked about, like, last weekend when we had this pre-call about how, like, well, I was in Provincetown. I told you this story last weekend, right? Yeah, yeah. Okay, so yeah. now, now I'm retelling. Okay, it's for, but for the for listeners, the listeners. For, the people. for the yeah, it's for the people. Um, the people. But uh, I was in Provincetown, and uh, which is like this gay mecca at the tip of Cape Cod. I highly recommend. It's incredible. Um, but anyway, we went to the gay beach, which like, like I was like initially triggered by because everyone like you know like when. Like, your friends are like, oh, it's, like, a little bit of a hike, but it's so worth it. And you're like, okay, a little bit of a Define. hike for you is literally, we're climbing Mount Everest. I'm fully the Reese Witherspoon in wild. Like, what do I need to do? Like, it's only, you always adjust. You know yeah. what I mean? You're always like, okay, what's happening? So, anyway, we go to the gay beach, which is, like, truly unpleasant and, like, hard to get to. And, like, I truly was like, I hate you all for doing this to me. Like, fuck you. You have no idea how hard this was. But, like, God bless. Um, we go to the gay beach. We live. We laugh. We be gay. Whatever. It's fine. And then on our way back, uh, I was really tired because it's just, it's a lot of walking. It's a lot of being in fucking sand, which is just my nightmare sand trudging through. Sand is not CP friendly right? at all. I'm no. like, I'm like, wow. Like I like, well, sand came, sand came down to the earth and was like, oh, I know what I can do. I can just make walking more complicated and insane. You're like, great. Thank you Thank so you, much. Sand. Yeah. Thank you, Sam. Try rolling a 300-pound chair through it, though. Oh, That's my fun. God. Oh, my God. I mean, it's so... So we were doing that, and, like, the last stretch, we had to climb up this embankment or whatever, and it was really difficult for me because I think I was just fatigued as all fuck, and um, I couldn't really get up, and so I was, like, really struggling, and my boyfriend was having to help me up, and, again, like, this experience... I've experienced this so many times in my life where I, my CP has felt... Like, it's on display, and I'm struggling physically, and I feel deeply embarrassed, like, hot with shame, et cetera, et cetera. But, and then while this was happening, like, a gay walks by and is like, I love your show! As I'm, like, drenching, as I'm, like, drenched in sweat, like, again, like, full Reese and Wild, like, like, Les Miserables. And it was, like, this hysterical moment where I was like, you know what? Like, uh, this would, like, it, back in the day, this would embarrass me delete years off my life i would be cringing but it's like this guy saw my show you see me face plant in the first two minutes like this is just on brand you know what i mean this is like you know what i mean this is like this is like what else would i be doing other than struggling to go up an embankment (laughs) you know what i mean like hello like like this is like blurred lines baby like okay (laughs) and uh and so I felt this like remarkable sense of like just peace and acceptance with myself because I was mm-hmm. like, all these people saw, so like every person that sees my show and like celebrates it and accepts it is like, wow, all the years that I spent being so deeply ashamed, thinking no one would understand me, blah 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 blah. And by the way, there are a lot of people that don't, but like. Mm-hmm. 
having those people have that warm reception, it's just, it's so validating on such a deeper level. You know what I mean? And it's like, wow, like it really wasn't the big monster I made it out in my brain to be, mm-hmm. you know? And it's definitely and, like, please take that energy and apply it to other disabled people in your life. <laughs> yes. Yes, exactly, exactly, exactly. Mm-hmm. So. Well, uh, and also going back to you being controlling of the many aspects of your life that you can be, this show is essentially just you, your ability to broaden the reach of what you can control because you have agency out of what has been shown um, mm-hmm. and then you kind of have the control of people's perception because you don't have to explain anything in the moment you've controlled what people know about you in a yes. much more intimate way that broader reaching than just living as Ryan in LA without a show that's true Putting the troll in control. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's a dream. Um, should we do our like last question now, do you think? Or yeah, unless, I, mean, I guess I'll say, Ryan, is there anything that you're like burning to talk about or say that we forgot? Um, no, other than obviously I'm excited for all of you to see season two and I'm just like obsessed and I just hope you guys are obsessed and you know, I want everyone obsessed. to be excited. I know it's been gone a long time. We're very much doing the flea bag thing where we're gone for two years and Listen, being like, JK. If you do the flea bag thing with season two, like honey, you got oh it Oh my God. <laughs> I know. But you know what? There's one fatal flaw. There's no hot priest. So Shit. Uh, I know. So no, that's dumb. ableist. I know. <laughs> I mean, uh, that's ableist. Oh my god! You know, you know that. Uh, like, there's that podcast that I, I did. Oh, we talked. I talked about it with them, but it's called like uh, "That's So Racist" or whatever. I'm like, there needs to be like "That's So Ableist." You yeah. know what I mean? Where yeah. everything yeah. is just ableist. LOL. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> I was even like, I was talking. I was doing an interview the other day where I was like talking about how when you reach this position of power, like you want to. Uh, bring down the ladder and give other people a leg up and go up the ladder. And I'm like, that's an ableist fucking... I'm like, God damn it. Like, <laughs> like it's just everywhere. God, cancel ladders. Oh my God. Jesus cancel Christ. Ladders. Cancel fucking ladders. Uh, oh my God. Yeah. L-L. No, it's really ridiculous once you start thinking through, like, most metaphors in the English language are like, oh, I was so blind to that, or like... Whatever it is, yes. like it's I just didn't see everywhere. it coming. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's just everywhere. I'm trying to decide if I think we can, I think we can wrap it up. I was gonna say what's next for you, but like we know, we know what's next for you. Maybe yeah, I mean, yeah, season two and I sold another show accessible, which I hope gets made, but who the hell knows? And please um, make it. Please make it. It's I, so good. I yeah. It. Please, please, please. I <laughs> hope I hope it gets made. Um, if it does, it will be a game changer. I hope so. We'll <laughs> yeah. see. And then. And then, oh, I wrote a novel, and it's coming out. That's coming out, like, in a year, because it's novels. Everything takes forever. NBD. Um, yeah, I know. Well, I'm telling you, I was really productive. I, w- I was the annoying bitch that wrote a novel during quarantine. Do you know, like, that meme that was, like... Shakespeare over here. Yeah, it was, like, yeah. Shakespeare wrote King Lear, so can you. And everyone was, like, fuck you, I'm just trying to get out of bed. And I was, like, actually, <laughs> da, da, da. And I was, like, King Lear, here we come. Um, so... We, I just sold it, so I'm doing edits on that, and then, um, 
So that's coming. I mean, that's going to take forever because novels take fucking forever because of the production. So in two time. years, when the pandemic is when it's yeah, outside again, exactly. You can take your novel to the slutty gay beach and read yes. it together. Yes, yes, yes. But obviously, it's about disability because literally everything I do is about disability. Oh, actually, this is interesting to talk about. Um, when I was submitting that novel to places, um, there was uh, some feedback from publishing houses that was like. Because my character is gay and disabled in that, obviously, because I'm obsessed. In, uh, yeah, because yeah. I'm obsessed and I'm addicted, and like, who cares? No. Um, and there were there were people, but it's a different story. Obviously, it's a completely different world. Blah 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 blah. Uh, and there were a few people being like, "We love this. We just think it's you know it's similar to special." And I'm like, "Okay, okay, no 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 no. Okay, like think about Sofia Coppola." Think about Noah Baumbach. Think about Spike Lee. Think about all these directors, writers that that explore similar themes over and over and over again in their work. And, like, I feel like as a gay disabled creator, it's like I have been given this one little slice to explore disability, blah, 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 blah. But, like, if I ever do it again, God forbid, I'm considered derivative of myself. I'm considered, Mm -hmm. like, and I feel like it comes, like, if you're marginalized, like, you just check the box, and it's like, okay, you did that, like, da 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 and it's like, no, 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 like, you fucking Woody Allen, LOL, probably, like, RIP, but he made the same fucking movie about New York over and over again, over and over again, and people are like, yes, oh my god, give me more, and I'm like, honey, he made this movie, what are you talking about, he, like, we're seeing it again, and they're like, we love it, what a vision, and, and it's like, I just feel like I need to be given the same leeway yeah, and space yeah, yeah, to yeah, yeah, explore yeah. like these themes and like and uh, without being seen as you know ripping myself out. Also, by the way, sorry that I'm making like this second gay disabled story that's ever. <laughs> you yeah. know what I'm saying? Yeah, like okay. the like, market is just so saturated right yeah. now. Yeah, <laughs> they're like oh, another show with a <laughs> another story with a gay disabled person at the lead. And again, <laughs> it comes down to this like. You know what it is? It's seriously this deep mentality where it's like, well, we gave you a show. What what do you want? Like, you need more? Like, we let you have that. We gave you that that one piece of representation that you don't, will never get again, and you're supposed to ride on that for the rest of your life. Exactly. Like, like how dare you, like, have another? Like, that's just greedy. Like, we gave you your one show. Now, you need to calm down. And it's like... It really was shocking. And I remember like my book agent was just like so furious and he and he went out with a uh, a novel with a trans author that's about the trans experience, Detransition Baby. It's supposed to be incredible. My friend just finished it and said it was the best thing she's read in years. No, and my bro- my boyfriend's reading it now is truly addicted. Mm-hmm. But he was telling me whatever it was just like certain feedback they got was like oh well, we already have our trans novel or like whatever there's this obsession with again like where they're they're meeting a quota it's not even the interest of like in like by the way can i just say like storytelling is storytelling either it's a good story or it's not yep. who cares if it's this or that but it's like mm-hmm. i just feel like there's this like you know this obsession with just looking like the bare minimum of woke and being like, well, we did that. It's like, no, no, if you're actually interested in like storytelling and what we have to say, it shouldn't matter that, you know, God forbid there's more than one, like fuck off. And I mean, even if it's that we've seen Bridgerton, we know what can be made out there. Okay. So like, 
It's just like, uh, it really, really made me like Steamboat Willie full of rage. And by the way, we found an amazing home and like a lot of people did, a lot of people did get it and loved it and wanted to do it. So like, it wasn't like I was, you know, left out in the cold, but it was a really kind of eye-opening experience of like that and a reminder that I'm like still not able to like take up so much space as like Mm. a straight white guy who can literally tell the same story over and over again and still be like, like give me more give me more you know what i mean like mm-hmm. straight white people kissing.com like <laughs> seriously like like and they're like yeah. you know it's like like or like another show that like humanizes cops and you're like lol <laughs> yeah. you know what i mean you're like honey like you gotta stop doing that yeah. um but it's like yeah again it's this obsession with only taking up the bare minimum of space. And if you get any space at all, then you should feel lucky and grateful that that happened at all. Yeah, you, you should, like, roll over and die now in your 30s. Like, you did it. That's it. I'm obs- <laughs> I'm obs- I will be obsessed with, I think, queerness and disability till the day I die. And, like, I am just getting started. And, like, I will tell as many fucking stories as I want about that. And I will be mm-hmm. given the space to do it. And everyone else can go fuck themselves is how I feel. That's a mic drop moment right there. That's in the end. Yeah, I was going to say, that's the end right there. Um, No, yeah, thank you. That's so, like, it's really also validating in a weird way to hear that, like, that every industry is like that. Like, every industry, yes. Mm-hmm. Like yeah. academia you think, is like you think that. you think books you're like books like okay they're smart like you know like the they got to like with the books you know it's <laughs> yeah. not like Hollywood yeah. it's books yeah you know mm-hmm. no it's the same mentality it's the same like checking a box it's the same kind of like giving you this little crack in the doorway to slip through but nothing mm-hmm. more mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and I was just thinking too how like in the world of academia, which is also so ableist, it's like the education that can be done through like one well-placed meme, Christina and I were just having this conversation, can do more work to change people's minds than like a dissertation. A whole thesis. Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. It's fascinating, but that's the world we live in. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's crazy. I have the, um, this great like mentor, Gray Berlanti, who's like this producer and showrunner and he's great and I was talking to him about it and he was just like Ryan like I wrote high school shows for like years I was like obsessed with teenagers I just like I just kept doing high school shows and that was like my high school period and he's like you're allowed to do whatever you want to do for as long as you want to do it like mm-hmm. there there are 40 like million different ways to tell a sto- like a story that's exploring similar themes yeah. you're allowed to explore those themes however long you want to do them that's your right as an artist and i was like okay i'm an artist addicted um <laughs> you know but anyway i just like it was very validating to hear that from like another creator that was just like yeah like you can do whatever the fuck you want that's sweet yeah um so we ask all of our guests as our last cue every time um what is bringing you or what has brought you joy recently um oh my god that's a really okay so my my sanity walks are um giving me joy because i just moved to a new neighborhood that i obviously can't really participate in uh so (laughs) (laughs) 
So, um, what I've been doing is I've just been, like, going on walks around the neighborhood and exploring different kind of facets, and it's this really, like, I live, um, next to this really historical neighborhood called Angelino Heights that is full of, like, these, like, Victorians from, like, the early 1900s, and my house is actually 120 years old, lol, I'm fucked, I can't even, like, change a light bulb, um, but... (laughs) That's been really fun, kind of exploring just different parts of the neighborhood and feeling like I'm getting to know my new surroundings. Um, And uh, being in my backyard brings me joy, and my work brings me joy and stress, but mostly joy. Crip Times is presented as a part of the Wheels on the Ground podcast network. This podcast is produced by us and supported by Tangled Art Plus Disability and Bodies in Translation. Thank you for listening to Crip Times. We hope you have enjoyed listening to the series as much as we have enjoyed making it.